and welcome to... Hello, Jamie. Hello, Stephen. Thanks Steven. for greeting me <laughs> and welcoming to your tent in the traditional manner. I was of, greeting hi. you. Hi. <laughs> yes, we say hi and then we Jamie, offer this, you... Jamie, this lantern in the way is untenable. I'm not going to talk around a lantern to you. You want to shift? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna adjust. Okay. I'm sorry, audience. That's okay. I'll cut this out. I thought that was the cat. It's shoes. All right. <laughs> Hi. Seamless to... edit. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Cult Movie Card Wars, the podcast where we dig our teeth into cult classics. And cinema. the points don't matter. And the points don't matter. Neither does the plot. <laughs> um, I'm Jay Marthalme, and that doofus is Steve Wilson. Steve Wilson. Your hair is looking bigger than I've ever seen it. Well, it grows a little bit every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but it's also, it's like new levels of poof, you know? Yeah, well, I, you know, I take care of it. I take care of myself. Is it the Bumble and Bumble sea salt spray? Uh, no. Uh, it, what it is, is Uh I did not wash my hair today, Mm, but I did get it wet. (laughs) (laughs) All the natural oils here in our, in our natural habitat of Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I did wash my hair today, um, but that was the first time in like three days, so... You caught me on a good one. Um, but <laughs> My hair looks better if it's like the second or third day after I don't wash it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's curly, right? So you need that natural stuff. Yeah, I got to get that. Got to get that. Exactly. That's what um, it sounds like when it curls. <laughs> speaking of yes. big hair. Speaking of big hair. <laughs> what movie are we talking about today, Steve? We're talking about Labyrinth. Yay! Which... I can only assume the the only reason of was to sell an album. <laughs> you know, you think I feel like so much work went into this movie that like just to sell an album, it's not Glee. Well, I gotta imagine that uh, that Henson and Henson are big Bowie, Dave Payne, Bowie, Bowie fans. Sarah, yeah. I, f- I sort of felt out of place watching it. Now. I've never really been that big into Bowie. I love him so. I mean, much. like like everybody else, I like Space Odyssey. Uh huh. And that is pretty much where my fascination ends. <laughs> I just like I, I was I was bummed when he died because I'm bummed when all these all these old great musicians die. Mm-hmm. But I don't really like I'm not gonna be as I'm not as bummed as if like Clapton died. Oh, or like or like um, any one of the Who. <laughs> <laughs> who was alive still of the Who? Uh, uh, and was not and was um, uh, Townsend and Daltrey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The two important ones. I mean, they're sort of a package deal. Um, I love Bowie, which is one of the reasons why I hadn't watched this movie in so long. Like, I... Oh, I thought you were going to say ever, because I don't want to ruin it. No, I... Oh, I'd never seen it all the way through. I saw it when I was in high school because I was in ceramics class, and my ceramics teacher, like, put it on in the background. (laughs) Um, and so, like, I was making a pot and watching... We need some... We need some stuff to put on that doesn't really... There's there's no point watching it. Just put this on. It's, it's gonna like, it's gonna provoke your artistic yeah, curiosity. Yes, but it's also not super important if you're also doing other things at the yeah, same time. Had you seen it before? No, I'd seen I'd seen clips. Hold on. Um, they're unloading at the docks. <laughs> Will you take that again? Yeah, uh, I had never seen. I've seen I'd seen clips. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> I had never huh? seen it. I'd seen clips of it. Okay, what clips had you um, seen? I'd seen the boom, 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 certain death. 
uh, because I referenced that a lot, but I had never seen the rest of the movie, either movie. I thought that scene mm-hmm. was from a movie that I have seen a bit of, scared the shit out of me, was Return to Oz. I thought that was mm-hmm. from Return to Oz because it seemed like it would be in that movie. At what point is that in Labyrinth? Which puppets were so, uh, The Shields. The Shield Brothers. Oh. Yeah, that was the Blue Shield Brothers. Gotcha. So I'd seen that in... There's a lot happening, so yeah. forgive me for not... Yeah. And then there are times where nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> and they're interspersed throughout the movie. Uh-huh. Um, but like uh, Matt Colville, who I talk about on occasion on this podcast, uh, he's, he's a YouTube guy. And he's a writer for video games and books and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he will... He'll, he In his videos, he'll put in clips... Of, of movies as like punchlines or whatever um, and he uses that one a lot because he talks about D&D a lot and he's like if the, if, he'll just say something that's going to end in someone dying and he's like bum, 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 and then start, <laughs> start to death. Death. it's great and it's a great punchline uh, scene to use this movie is kind of like one big D&D campaign that would actually be a really awesome D&D campaign if you did like a labyrinth themed uh, D&D night that'd be really cool yeah who would you be if you were like pick a character from like the labyrinth, oh, I'd, I mean, I'd make my own. Do I have to be, pick a character? Yes, you have to pick. Okay. Um, oh, I guess I'll be Bowie, the god character, <laughs> like <laughs> Jareth. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'd be um, I'd I'd be Toby, so I could take down the organization <laughs> from the inside. <laughs> We were incessant screaming. I felt yeah. so bad for that baby. I was like watching it. And yeah. I was like, what are they doing that to was, make this child cry? That, that per that I looked him up. Apparently, he's an actor still. Yeah, he was in like uh, he was in like um, Narnia and stuff. I I promise you, he's still scared of people in costumes. <laughs> it's like little baby Alfred or whatever that like um, Skinner. Who did like those uh, tests to see if you could like condition a baby to like fear something? So like they would have this baby and they would bring in like a rabbit and every time they showed the baby the white rabbit, they would make like a big bang sound. It would scare oh, the baby and make it cry. And so then like he associated this mm. rabbit with this sound. So every time he saw the rabbit, he would cry. <laughs> <laughs> so right, it's well. like that, but with this movie, anytime he sees a puppet, yeah. <laughs> he has these feelings of intense abandonment. Yeah. Oh, I will say, I will say, this movie had some great jump scares. Yeah. Uh, like when, when, um... <laughs> She's a beautiful mind. Jennifer Connelly. Yes. She's the main main the main actress. the only human other uh, than David Bowie really. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, when she's talking to Toby and he's in the crib, and then and then it cuts to the goblins staring at the screen. Yes, and I was like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, first scene is you so scary. You got me scary. again, Henson. <laughs> that scene is so scary when, like, they go into her uh, bedroom and they're like skittering uh, yeah. around underneath yeah. her bed sheets and like in her mm-hmm. cupboards and all that stuff. Like, yeah. ooh, as an adult, yeah. I was unsettled by that. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah. Uh, before I watched this movie, I didn't know which side David Bowie dressed to, and now I do. <laughs> what does that mean? That means which side you. Put your penis on oh, in your pant legs. Yes. Okay. Which side is he? <laughs> oh, he's mostly a righty. <laughs> yeah. What are you? Righty or lefty? Um, I oscillate. Yeah. I go back and forth. You're I, ambidextrous. Yeah. With it depends your penis. on what I'm wearing. Yeah. Um, if I'm wearing tights, though, I usually stick it between my legs and tuck it <laughs> because. Don't make me see your dick, Billy. Please. That was a conscious choice. That was like I'm I was... sure it was because you don't walk out of the dress room. 
just forgetting that you're <laughs> flopping around. I mean, David Bowie probably did, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I was watching like a behind the scenes making of the movie, and the art director Froud, I want to say Peter, but I'm not 100 percent the first name, um, was like just say a German. <laughs> <laughs> he was British sounding, so probably like family fled Germany during yeah, the war or probably. something. Um, but he was talking they about how... They something about dicks they weren't supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> he was being attacked by the cat. Um, it was like he was... We wanted to make Jareth this like pop star. Hypersexual Yeah, dick. kind of. <laughs> They're like any young girl's fantasy of the ideal man and apparently that includes a giant schlong. And a weird bouffant wig. Yeah, an <laughs> eyeliner. Which I think for me, uh, yes please. Um, but... <laughs> So let's real quickly before we get too far into it, yes. should we talk about the plot? This movie was actually pretty. In, this, the plot was pretty much all it was in the movie. Yeah, that's it was pretty, pretty plot heavy. Um, so yeah, I'll do it a if quick, you don't mind. Of course, this movie had such a straightforward plot. I can't mess it up. You can do it, Steve. I so there we were. You. We're in a car. It's rush hour, and Peter <laughs> Gibbons does up. not like traffic. <laughs> uh, what happened? So uh, so uh, so Jennifer Connelly is this is this girl doesn't like that she's always being put upon by her family Ugh. and her stepmother. It's not fair. It's not fair. Nothing is fair. And she doesn't understand why. Uh, and so her parents go out and they make her babysit. And so To be fair, a very obnoxious baby. Like, he's that baby a baby. Was, what do you, I know what that. Do you want? <laughs> he doesn't know how people are. Like he t- <laughs> He's in this weird place. His crib? Yeah. His crib is a weird place. In the beginning, he's yeah. just in his crib and he won't shut up. I mean... Yeah, no baby... Oh, the cat just attacked the microphone. Yeah, just kidding. Attacked the microphone. <laughs> oh, no. no baby wants to be in their crib. I was a climber and I would climb out of my crib all the goddamn time. Oh, and really? now, I, all I'm trying to do is get back in my bed. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> pretty stuck in that crib to me, but... Um, so Toby's crying in bed and she picks him up. I swear to God, I thought she was going to slam him on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Enough! <laughs> like, or like start shaking him. Uh, Bowie kind of shakes the baby yeah, at one point. But that is uh, very clearly a, a mannequin. <laughs> you can tell because the head flops around and the hair goes weird. And I was like, that baby didn't have that much hair. Why? <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's got Toby and then she holds him and then she's, she says, I wish. And these little gremlins and are like. They, they cut to gremlin faces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and so she says the words that make the gremlin, the goblin king, David Bowie, mm-hmm. as he's better known, Jareth, Sarah, take, uh, I'm take here the baby. for your baby. Yeah, he doesn't actually sing that. That is the, <laughs> those are the only lines he doesn't sing. Um, <laughs> Turn back now, Sarah. Yeah, there's no point in. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm gonna be able to not do. Don't Bowie. fight it. Yeah, I don't, can't do. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, and so she's got a rescue. So the baby is in Jareth's castle. Toby's in Jareth's castle. Uh-huh. That is on the other side of the labyrinth, on the other side of the goblin city. Yep. And they've got to get through the labyrinth. Or else the baby will become a gremlin forever. Goblin, not a gremlin. Right, a goblin yes. forever. After 13 hours. Mm-hmm. And you know what? After looking, thinking about it, reading the lore of the movie mm-hmm. and thinking about it a lot, I decided, why didn't, why didn't, uh, why didn't she just get on the backs of the eagles with Gandalf oh, and fly over the labyrinth? <laughs> what do we <laughs> save you so, so much, much time. more sense? 
<laughs> Why didn't Dorothy just, why did like, the good witch like, just tell Dorothy to click her heels together right yeah, at the beginning? Yeah, she could have like, just gone home. Like, it's not like she needed the other people it's there. It's about the journey, Steven. Well, then why ha- why even have an ending to the movie? Let's do a Brazil thing and nothing oh, matters anymore. <laughs> I actually, it's funny you say that because for like, Getting into one of our cult qualifiers, the fact that this movie was kind of missed on release, it was kind of like, eh, by audience. I think it made back half of a $25 million budget. And then the critics, yeah. (laughs) And then the the critics weren't really fans. Henson movies, it's kind of all or nothing. You really got to make back some money. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so much money gets invested just in, like, the puppetry. But I was reading the Roger Ebert original review, and, like, one of his problems was that, like, you know, this movie is like a giant dreamscape. And in a dream, there really aren't any consequences, mm-hmm. so nothing really matters, yeah. you know? And yeah. as much as I dislike Roger Ebert, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I do think that that was something that I was sort of feeling when I was watching this movie. I was like, well, I mean, like, does it really matter which direction she goes? Because, like, anytime she makes a choice, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's the wrong choice, but it's also not the wrong choice. Well, because... she keeps going right. She keeps choosing right. That's what that's what Amazon trivia told me. Oh, I read that every too. time. <laughs> every time she goes right, it's a mistake. Also, the worm says, "Yeah, you shouldn't." Uh, uh, <laughs> she says, "He said, don't go that way." And she's like, "Okay, I'll walk to the castle." And she keeps going. He's like, "Oh, the other way would have taken you right to the castle." <laughs> yeah, I know. People were like, "That worm is a traitor," and I'm like, "I worm. think the worm just doesn't understand that the also, castle is her destination." Yeah, but... I'm sure that the worm. Like, wouldn't have wanted to go to the castle either. Like, right? Ever, it's a you know? scary place. It's a place Worms full back of then. goblins. Worms back then. They never really ventured, like, 20 miles outside of where they were born. Yeah. You know, there's no cars. There's no cell phones back then, back in this this area for worms. You Do know? you think the worm was wearing a scarf because, like, silk worms make silk? And it was wearing, like, a silk scarf. <laughs> This is, this is, <laughs> listeners, this is why you come to this podcast it's called Movie Carnivore. Deep. So you can get just a real good, a real good in-depth, really good in-depth uh, analysis of the things that matter in a movie. Yep, like worm the scarf. worm scarf. <laughs> hey, do you guys think, do you guys, oh God, get do you guys think Jim Hansen was doing a little, little funny there? I don't know. I mean, maybe. This really movie, makes you think. This movie's so detailed, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't the case. You know, but maybe we'll just never know because Jim Henson is dead. Here's here's what I want to know. Do you think that worm made a scarf or do you think it bought it? I think the worm probably made the scarf. I think when you're living in the labyrinth, you kind of have to have a trade. You know, <laughs> you have to have something that you can barter with. Yeah, yeah, or else, like, or else that butt's going to look real good to other people. <laughs> you got to have something to give away so they don't take your butt. Yeah, yeah. like Hoggle had his magical jewels mm-hmm. that Sarah took for him. Um, Are they magical? Ludo had his... They weren't magical. They were they magical. Magical to hand, they were meaningful oh, okay. and special. Ludo has his ability to call the rocks. Ludo can call the rocks, who's Sarah's only friends, the saddest line oh. of the movie. <laughs> well, that's the thing in the labyrinth, nobody really has friends. Uh, like Hoggle doesn't have any friends. Until that's because Hoggle's a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, he is kind of the worst. Yeah, every time he makes a friend, he sells him out to the Goblin King. <laughs> I wouldn't trust that good dude either. No. Um, do you want to go through real quickly and just go through which cult qualifiers we think apply? Sure. So, um, Dick is Dick on there? I mean, it should be. Gore uh, for dick. <laughs> Gore for dick moving very close to puppets and babies. Right? Yeah. There's a point where, like, Hoggle kneels down to, like, 
pick something up in front of David Bowie and his head. Oh yeah, there like, is a shot that is where Hoggle's speaking directly, directly into, into his penis. Into, into, into the Bowie's urethra. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had strangeness. He's like tapping it. Is this thing on? <laughs> um, yeah, I had strangeness, uh, uh-huh. production, genre mixing, innovation, uh, missed on release, and then obviously rape culture, but then also allegory. Are you serious? You didn't see the rape culture in this movie? What? Um, let the me... fact that they trap they trap a young girl in an inescapable prison. <laughs> <laughs> and then David Bowie's character literally says, just let me own you and I will like be yeah. your slave. Like, yeah. mm. Let me own you. Yep. And I will be your slave. Because that, that's how slavery works. Yep. <laughs> it's it's a two way street. <laughs> I think they just said, Hey, just say some shit, just riff. He's no. like, okay. <laughs> no. Um, so, would you want to talk about the production of this movie? Just because it's fun. That's like a fun place to start. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you do that? Okay, because I have notes. You have notes. I don't have any notes. But I do have one note, which is, this movie's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that was one of the reasons why I was nervous to watch it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like this movie, we really need to see it for the first time between the ages of like... 10 and 14. That way you don't notice all the dick. Well, I think I would probably still notice the dick. Like, I remember when I was a child, I would go to the ballet every year for my birthday. And, like, there's a lot of dick in the ballet. (laughs) Because all these, like, strapping young men are wearing these tights. And, they, you know, their penises are very evidently seen through their tights. So, like, I remember being, like, eight years old and, like, giggling with my friend. And being like, (laughs) look, they're jumping. (laughs) So, I think I probably would have noticed. Why don't you just tie it to a leg? Jeez. You're in the wrong business, sir. <laughs> um, so I probably would have noticed the penis. Um, I probably would have just found it more funny than anything else, unless I was like 14, in which case yeah. I was already in love with Bowie. So and At the very least, it wasn't like Watchmen-level dick. Is there a lot of dick in Watchmen? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I've never seen it. That I was like know. the main takeaway of the movie. Terrible so- movie. But Billy Crudup's uh, blue penis is just everywhere. Oh, I love Billy Crudup. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he was essentially just a voice actor. Oh, well, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really feel like you need to see this movie between the ages of 10 and 14. Because, like, as an adult watching it, I was, like, bored in some parts. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. kind of annoyed in others. Because, like... Yeah, like the drugged scene, I didn't really care that much about. When she's in the ball, or yeah. the ball, the yeah. bubble like, ball. Okay, he's just going to sing again. Yeah. So I feel like at, as like a 12-year-old, if I was mm-hmm. watching that scene, I would have been very, um, <laughs> very um, aroused, for lack of a better word. <laughs> um, but as, as a 12-year-old? Hey, hey, Jamie. Every, anytime you feel like it, just tell me as a 12 year old when you'd be wet. Gushing. Yeah, well, at that and age. And I said, all right, now time for outro homework. Yeah, but now as an adult watching that, I'm like, wow, this is incredibly inappropriate. <laughs> She's like, I was trying to get like an exact age of what Jennifer Connolly was when she was filming this movie, but oh, like, like s- some sources said 16, some sources said 14, some sources said 15. 15. Yeah. So she was between the ages of 14 and 16, and Bowie was 39. So uh, that's a little gross. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we could rest assured that da- David Bowie wasn't actually like, hey. Like they, like they yelled cut. <laughs> they yelled cut. And, and he, he just, just kept going. Yeah. They yelled cut, and he was like, hey, let me own you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I hope not. Um, but I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I also found like the some of the sequences to be like kind of annoying. What's happening with your pants? What do you mean? They have like a patch. Yeah. I, yeah. Is that like an iron-on patch? Yeah, I ironed it on. It's coming up. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I got to iron it again. Speaking of the D, oh my God. <laughs> it's like... Hey, I covered mine up. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Right? There's like, a giant there's, hole. There's, there's, there's like a, little, a giant fucking hole. There's still a little hole. Yeah, there's a little hole, but you that get one... your finger in there. I can. I do. <laughs> and I constantly do <laughs> on the subway. <laughs> I just look at people like... Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. I I you know what? I don't look directly into your fucking crotch and then, my, and then comment on what I mine, see. Mine, for one, is appropriately covered, and two, it's pointing away from you. So, <laughs> so even if it wasn't, you wouldn't know. I'm very sorry. No, it's not an apology. No. I could fix it for you better if you needed it. No, I no no. I just did, I didn't feel like getting denim and then sewing it. Yeah, because... <laughs> I just wanted to... I was like, I just want to be done. Like, I want to wear these pants. I want to just... I'll, so I'll just iron a patch that doesn't exactly match. And whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, back to the movie. Back to the movie at hand. Um, yeah, like, some of the sequences I found kind of irritating. Like, those weird, like, uh, demonic f- uh, f- flamingos with, like... Uh, the, yeah, the, the, the fireys. Yeah, the fireys. Like, the detachable heads. I could not understand a single fucking word they were saying That's throughout racist. their song. How That's is that racist? Because most of them were played by black men. <laughs> okay. You don't know they, that. They were doing their, no, I do. Because the, the whole, like, uh, I think three of the five were played by black men. And they were they were doing, like, a like a Jamaican thing. Um, the lead guy, I think, I think was doing a Jamaican voice. Okay. Um, they were doing, like, a like a, like a tropical kind of song. Huh. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why that choice was made. <laughs> But that was the choice that was made. Well, regardless, I found it unintelligible. And for me, it wasn't so much the yeah. accent. It was like the mixing of the sound was like really off. Like whoever did the sound mixing yeah. for that song, like the background music was way louder than the actual vocals were. Yeah. So like the whole time I would just get like little bits of phrases. I was like, what the fuck is going on? These mm-hmm. like weird birds are like taking off their heads and like chasing her around. And I just found that frustrating. Yeah. Most of the movies that I see that have like musical interludes where characters sing that are not actually musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like the movie takes a break and they say, okay, and now we're going to do something else. Dance, Hope you like magic, it. dance. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, like, I don't care. I didn't, I didn't, like, I don't, I don't want to see this movie to watch David Bowie sit, like, lip sync to a song. Mm-hmm. I want to see this movie. One, because I have to, but also because <laughs> I just want to see what happens. One, because Jamie made me. One, Jamie <laughs> made me. Uh, and then also because I just want to see what happens because it's a movie. It's not a song. Like, just let me fucking watch the movie. Unless it's a musical, in which case I've come into it knowing it's a musical and I know what to expect. And also other characters participating. It seemed like in this song, you have one character who's like, why are you all singing? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> and is watching another character or a bunch of characters sing. Uh-huh. But it's not like there's, it's not participatory at all. It's just like singing around other kids. It's just fucking weird. Dance, magic, yeah. dance. Also, jump, none of the songs are particularly good. I like the opening song. Dance magic is fucking basically nonsense. Yes. <laughs> the baby. The baby with the power. Voodoo, voodoo, you do. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I like the opening song. I don't remember. They all have names. I don't remember any of the names besides dance magic. But I like the one that gets played over the credits and also is like in the beginning when Sarah's like running home. Um, mm. But yeah, dance magic is pretty campy and pretty goofy. But it is like 
a children's movie. So, like, that's what I'm, like, reminding myself when I'm, like, watching this. And I'm, like... Well, yeah, but, like, A Christmas Carol is a children's movie. And I can still watch it. I'm, like, this is a great movie. Hey, Muppets Christmas Carol? Yeah. I love the Muppet. Like, Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah, I A Christmas watch. Carol is not not for kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the they play. They acknowledge death in it. <laughs> I saw the play when I was, like, five. And Jacob Marley scared the bejesus out yeah. of me. Like, those clinky chains. Oh, mm. no. Yeah. Um... Also, Ghost of yeah. Christmas. That future. ruined Jamie's love of metallurgy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to become a metalsmith. <laughs> I was going to forge everything. <laughs> <laughs> my house was going to be forged from my forge. <laughs> yep. Jamie. Hey, Jamie. You nailed it. I did. Got it in one. I did. Um, nailed it. Um, but yeah, so the production obviously was like a big deal because it was a huge amount of work. I mean, also, it's like a Henson movie. Like they're all huge production things. Yeah. Like all those sets were built, you mm-hmm. know, like I think the only time they really used like CGI-ish in terms of like the For set. For the door knocker. The door knocker was CGI? Yeah. The one where the thing was it. You could, I mean, you could kind of tell mm-hmm. uh, because one, because no puppet would be, would, would have that much dexterity in, in, in a, in like a mouth or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was too fluid to be. Oh, maybe they were just that good. Nope. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> nope, because you saw the rest of the movie, right? <laughs> um, I was going to say, when they're doing the dance with the fireies, yeah, it's pretty obvious yeah, that there's yeah, like screen, a background yeah. behind them. Um, but like, I think it was in the dance magic scene, they had like... They started with only wanting like twenty puppets in that scene, and there were then like they forty five. At the end, there was yeah, because yeah. they started with twenty. They're like, this just doesn't look full enough. Yeah. So they ended up with having like forty plus puppets, mm-hmm. plus a couple of little people in costumes who were like hooked up to ri- wires right. and were being yeah. like yeah. bounced around the stage. Yeah. That was fun. Um, plus the weird baby mannequin thing. Plus that the weird baby mannequin. That, must have, that cost a million. <laughs> yep, that clearly was a really expensive prop. Um, yeah. Uh, I was watching the behind the scenes thing and there was like this funny moment where Jim Henson was talking about working with Toby, uh, the baby whose Mm -hmm. name was actually Toby. Toby! (laughs) But he spells Uh, it right. Yeah, he spells it correctly. Um, (laughs) He was actually the son of the artistic director, Froud. Makes sense. Um, And... The German. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Germans is, huh? Uh-huh, those damn crowds. All behind the scenes. And everything. I wonder why, because they're so sneaky. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was made <laughs> you know, in, like, the was, the, was the Berlin Wall still up? This was 86. Yes. When did the Berlin Wall fall? Berlin uh, Berlin Wall fell in 89. Yeah, so they were probably sneaking out of East USSR, Berlin. The USSR ended in 91. Sneaking out of East Berlin to come work on a Henson project, clearly. Uh-huh. I mean, they could have been West Germans, in which case... Uh, uh, Schnell. Achtung. Danke. Um, but, um, he had this quote where he was like, you know, people always tell you never to work with children. And <laughs> They're going like, to Germans. <laughs> yeah, people always tell you never to work. No, people tell you to always work with Germans because they're very efficient and hardworking. Um, no, people... <laughs> <laughs> people always tell you never to work with children but I did it anyway yeah. and then I thought working with a baby was hard and then I started working with chickens <laughs> like, just completely ignored that Cecil B. De- it was Cecil B. DeMille who said like never work with babies or animals right mm-hmm. children or animals completely ignored that directive uh, <laughs> um but so that was I just thought that was funny. Um, the one scene that I really did love was the helping hands scene when she's like falling through the oh, tunnel yeah, yeah. and all the hands are like kind of like 
semi grabbing her, semi helping slow her down, yeah. and then like they're talking and they're making like hand faces. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really cool, and those were actually like real puppeteers hands like doing that and they made like i think over a hundred latex gloves for these people to wear so they could do like the different like hand formations to make it look like they were making faces and stuff it's really too bad that this is an auditory medium because i am doing an amazing puppet show (laughs) for steve right now (laughs) i feel like i'm there (laughs) that's just a bird that's not what they did (laughs) uh uh, it's a duck choking a rock okay all right, and now we've got now. Oh, we got the the military industrial complex. It's very intricate. I'm surprised you can make it work. Oh, it's kind of my side career. Um, I was scouted side at career? a young age, and I was like, you know what? I'm too much of a star here. I think I should yeah. uh, take a step back and let other people. Yeah, I'm a soul puppeter. <laughs> I'm a puppeteer of the soul. You know, I don't do it for money. Um, I do it for I do it for the fame. I do it because there is no greater beauty than manipulating shadow and light. <laughs> <laughs> for what is our perception of the world but a manipulation of shadow and light steve i like it when i have the last word well that's too damn bad isn't it <laughs> um but uh also the original script was written by monty python alum terry jones um but that was just the original script it was later adapted and i think pretty much after sarah eats the peach it was like taken away all david bowie (laughs) yeah his influence totally no um i think in terry jones's script i read that instead of sarah like saying to jareth like you have no power over me she's supposed to like hit him like punch him in the chest (laughs) she was was supposed to like uh, uh, uh," like hit him and stuff and he was slowly gonna like become smaller and smaller until he was like just a gross little goblin which that would have been cool yeah it's like a metaphor i don't know why you hit him into being a goblin that seems weird Uh, i'm not scared of you i can fight back Uh, oh i've used my my appearance magic to go increase my healing factor because of all these girl punches. <laughs> yep. Oh, by the way, if we were doing a D&D campaign, I would be Ludo. We did we I did wanna... we did D&D and you ended the night by lying down on the floor. <laughs> Jamie. And Jamie every once in a while asks me when we're gonna when we're gonna keep playing D&D. Well, because we ended, we were about to confront a vampire. We were about to confront a vampire. <laughs> and Jamie ended the night. <laughs> Rolling the dice, the, rolling the wrong dice with her feet. <laughs> Lying on the ground, not looking at anyone. Because I was really tired. <laughs> it was like midnight. It was really late. You knew it was going to be a four-hour thing. I am an old lady. I go to bed at like nine o'clock. So- <laughs> I was very sleepy. We can do it again. We were all sleepy, and it was blistering in, the, in this room. Yeah, because I turned on the air conditioner. Yeah. Why, Jamie? Because it was blowing on my hair, and I didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> I was comfortable. You guys were all just overdressed and, like, too polite to say anything. <laughs> um, and the ball scene was inspired by, like, Venetian masquerades. Like, I was watching oh, it, and yeah. I was like, this is very, like, I eyes wide. About, I thought you were talking about the Fushigi. No. That was- Fushigi! <laughs> that also made it a little so hard for me to take fushigi. seriously oh my god i've never seen i've gone to fushigi conventions really? where there was not this much fushigi no i've no i've had think, sex i've I, never been to a fushigi convention i think my sister had a fushigi but we got it we were like oh this is boring <laughs> oh you know? you're not good at it yeah it's kind one of if you're good at it, it's boring for other people to watch and two if you're not good at it, it's, it's just, just a, a ball. ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a ball that I keep dropping. Yep, pretty much. Um, there was the how they achieved those Fushigi effects. They had David Bowie standing and then this like someone cunt. else's hair. Yeah. That's what it looked like. Yeah. 
there was like this really famous contact juggler like he would put his hand under david bowie's arm like you know like when you're playing like swedish chef or something and he would like do the fushigi Mm -hmm. movements but he like it was actually really impressive because he was doing it all blind like Mm -hmm. his head was behind bowie and he didn't have any like well fushigi is really bad all it's really all it's like a tactile experience fushigi is about the is about the balls you don't Touch. Cult movie carnivores sponsored by Fushigi. Fushigi. Not really, because I hate it. <laughs> it's like oh it's God. like lame juggling. It's like juggling where there's no risk. It's there. There's risk. You can drop it. Okay, let me describe you Fushigi, and you tell me if there's risk. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna be holding one ball. I'm gonna be touching at all times. There wasn't always one ball. There was that point where he was doing the three on one hand. Okay. How about this? I'm gonna be a juggler where I never let go of the balls. <laughs> But that's cool. He was doing all those flips and stuff. I think it's impressive if you can do it well. Um, but it was hard to take seriously because <laughs> I grew up watching those Fushigi. Like, um, I was waiting for I was waiting for one scene for Dave Bowie to break out the devil's dicks. <laughs> we had those too, and they were also boring because if you couldn't figure it out, it was just two I wanted, sticks. I wanted the Goblin King to have like recently raided a hobby store. <laughs> yeah, get a like, and, like a the skip first home. time he's doing the Fushigi, he's like, "This is my new thing." <laughs> And the next time you see him with like the devil sticks, <laughs> and then one time you hacky see him with, sack. yeah, you see like a hacky sack or like a big like one of those fancy kites, yeah, like kite battles, <laughs> like like he's flying a remote control plane. I'm pretty sure my sister had all those things. My sister is is Jareth from Labyrinth. That's what we discovered. Which side? Which side does she dress to? Uh, well, right she doesn't have a penis, so uh, well, there's that. Okay. Um, Ugh. Punch her. See if she's a goblin. Just like a, you know, punch her a lot. I haven't punched my sister since I was... That <laughs> sounds like too short of a time. Yeah, probably. Uh, but anyways, um, so the production... No, I want to talk about Fushigi more. No, we're done talking about Fushigi. Um, the, but I mean, other than like just the amount of like time and craftsmanship and like creativity that went into the production, it seemed like it was pretty like seamless like there weren't any like at least not that i found there weren't any like horror stories of like things going wrong or like people getting into fights or like stuff like that yeah it's just like the amount of effort that went into creating the world was Mm -hmm. so evident and that is something that i appreciate like i love a good like world building and i love like as we've talked about multiple times i love practical effects so Mm -hmm. like i appreciated that everything was really tactile and real and i think it probably benefited um jennifer connelly because she was just like who knows 14 to 16 yeah. uh undetermined age yeah. uh, and still like pretty new to acting so i think it was probably for her benefit to have yeah my first so i always feel bad because my first thought whenever i see a, a, a young actor or actress uh-huh. is i don't need i don't need to make that gendered whenever i see a young acting person uh-huh. <laughs> that's what i'm gonna call from now on acting uh, person an acting person a person who acts i always feel bad because, like anything else, to get good at it, you just have, like... You just gotta keep doing it. You just gotta keep doing it. But the, So there was a, one of my sister's friends who did improv, and he'd give her notes and stuff. And he's like, if you want to get good at this, you gotta eat shit first. Yeah. And I feel bad whenever I see a young actor who's like, man, they're... Like, uh, Jennifer Connelly is a fine actress. And they're like, man, she got really good, but 
this one, she just kind of ate shit. <laughs> yeah. It's not the best. Yeah. Like, it's hard to be on Sarah's side, especially in the beginning, because it's like, why are you so upset? Like, yeah. you live in she comfort. Goes, she goes to 10 real quick. Yeah. It's like, you live in comfort. Your parents let you, like, run amok all day. You live in a nice old Victorian. In what I can only assume is Connecticut. How nice is that house? <laughs> um, yeah, your parents are just asking you to, like, babysit for a night. You're not doing anything. Yeah. We both know that you don't have any plans. Right. And then her stepmom says that. Like basically burns her. Yeah. I'd love it if you I have would a date. I'd love it if you went on a date. But we both know you, you don't. You stay in if you ever got a date. Yep. Little does she know, David Bowie is creeping. And this how old window. this how old a man I am. I looked at her and her mom, her stepmom said, "We you know we would love for you to have dates." Like she's too young to have a date. She's too young. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Lock her up. She's lock like, her up. Lock her lock up. Lock her up. Lock her up. <laughs> chastity belt. <laughs> have you ever seen those male chastity belts? Like in person? No. Yeah. They have some at the Museum of Sex down in Madison Avenue. I, I don't um, go in there. Oh, it's really fun. You should <laughs> that go. That would... I'm uncomfortable with just sex in general. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, you should totally go. Yeah. It's really fun. It's such a vulnerable uh, position. Are you serious? What do you mean? All of my all of my squishy bits are exposed. Not. I mean, not at the museum. If you wear pants, like. Well, I'm not going to do that, Jamie. It's a museum of sex. <laughs> yeah, clearly. I'm not going to walk in there overdressed. Yeah, you have to at least give head. I'm going to look like entrance. the asshole. I'm yeah. going to walk in there with like a full set of things on, and then people are going to look like look at me like I'm the asshole. Like I'm not ready to go. Come on, now I'm wasting their time. All right. Well, anyway. why, why did I ever come to this orgy museum? <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, I think, like, all of the, like, aspects of the production lend itself into the movie's strangeness because it is, it's, like, such a weird world where it's, yeah. like, down is up and up is down and, like, nothing is as sometimes, it seems. literally. Yeah, sometimes literally. Also, sometimes, did you think that that ending scene took a little bit too long? Uh, the MC Escher scene? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were yeah. probably, like... They probably like it was probably a combination of like they spent forever creating that set, and they wanted to let David Bowie sing some exactly, more. <laughs> and they wanted to like get some David Bowie music in at the same time. So the thing about this movie is a, a severe lack of David Bowie singing. You think? There's like five Bowie songs. No, I songs. don't. I okay. don't think. I they think also... he sings entirely too much in this movie. No, no such thing. Um, but they also considered Prince, which I think would have been. I mean, I think Bowie ultimately is like the only right choice for this role. But I think Prince I think is the only Prince... person that could have made it weirder. I know that's what I was gonna say. Prince would have also been amazing, and I also would have been down for that. But I think Bowie just has yeah. this weird like alien quality. Yeah. You know, I'm that excited. Prince doesn't have. I'm ex- and it would have been like it already is pretty overtly sexual with Bowie, but like with Prince, yeah. it would have been like. Very, very, very overtly. I'm sexual. excited for since since this movie, since this story and like the Wizard of Oz are so similar, uh-huh. kind of like a, a girl from the real world goes into a fantasy realm and it comes back uh, and changed. could have been a dream, yeah, yeah. and she's changed. Um, I'm I'm waiting for when a, an all an an all people of color cast comes back and remakes it. Like the Wiz? Like the Wiz. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it would have been Prince. Well, I think Prince of, was holding out for it. Oh, <laughs> gosh. If only. They probably have it in heaven. Um, but um, but they actually, they considered Prince and they also considered Michael Jackson, speaking mm. of the Wiz, yeah. which would have been insanely creepy <laughs> if that had come to be. I actually couldn't watch the Wiz because, like, Michael Jackson creeps me out so much. Mm. Just, like... But the good songs are good. The songs are great. That, and like since, that's the since thing. That, it's like, and since it's a musical, I'm yeah. fine with singing happening. 
<laughs> no, and it's I, really really great. If I like, if the Wiz ever was like redone on Broadway, I would t- absolutely go because like it's great music and like the mm-hmm. costumes are always really cool. Mm-hmm. But like, I just can't watch. Michael I Jackson, too like to like ease on down, ease on down the road. You gonna ease on down, ease on down the road. <laughs> do, do, do. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Um. It's cultural appropriation, Jamie. So, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> um. Anyways, so. Yeah, there's all the different monsters that like land. I'm adjusting. I've never seen you kneel in here before. It's because I have to fart and I'm trying not to. (laughs) See, I'm considerate and we're in an enclosed space. So I'm not going to fart, unlike someone I know. Jamie, you know it's bad to hold farts in so that they absorb back into your colon. (laughs) Well, they'll come out eventually. Um, But anyways, so yeah, there's like all the different monsters that like everything about this movie is super surreal. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's different dimensions, there's different worlds, there's like, you know, you can fall up, you can fall down. It's very like Alice in Wonderland in that way, Mm -hmm. where she's just like this human girl lost in this world where nothing makes sense. There are a lot of stories where human girl gets lost in the fantasy world and then wakes back up uh, yeah well ever try being a young girl it's very confusing um, but try yeah. to go to math class and dave bowie's dick look at me right in the eye i mean ugh, hopefully not we'll get into that with rape culture i guess um but yeah there's also like the weird mc escher set piece um but yeah, it's it's a very strange movie. Strange movie. Yeah, it's strange stuff. Uh, what would you say is the genre of this movie? Um, fantasy, adventure. Gotta be fantasy and adventure. Um, and then um, cautionary tale. <laughs> what is it cautioning against? Uh, uh, how about you fucking be like a decent goddamn person? Yeah, <laughs> you, you abominable teenager. Oh my gosh! Uh, don't wish your stepbrother away. Yeah, stepbrothers, half brother. That's the stepbrother. No, Thanks, it's right? not. Okay, stepbrother half- is when like you don't have any genetic. All right, right, shared yeah. DNA. Ha- so half brothers, they're kind of like real brothers. Half, except they're half, <laughs> like fifty percent. Yeah. So really, what you shouldn't. What you should do is only you should cut it in half and then wish half of it away. Yeah. Get some wisdom of Solomon up. Yeah, with exactly. <laughs> um, I would say it's musical, uh, coming of age, fantasy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a musical. I there are songs that I people sing. That. I understand that, but only one person sings. Um, is that the case? Yes. No. Uh-uh. Those fiery birds, they are oh, not David yeah. Bowie. Okay. They're singing their song by themselves. Yeah, but they're still... Ha-ha! They're still... <sighs> okay. Well... Gotcha. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would definitely consider it to so be... six characters sing. ...part of a musical. Um, and, yeah, it is definitely, like, coming of age. It's all about, like... Uh, this girl kind of like discovering what it means to be an adult and what it means to like let childhood go and like what that is and how it's kind of scary. Yeah. You know? Um, they're okay. I'm just going to get into it. Speaking of like coming of age and like <laughs> uh, how that can be All scary. All right. Let me talk to you how it was for me. <laughs> I hope you're sitting down. Have some Earl Grey because you're going to need it. <laughs> oh, um, as much as I love tea. This movie has gotten some. This movie has gotten some critiques because. Oh of, yeah, man, uh, uh, that place gave it two stars. That's Roger Ebert. <laughs> yeah, um, but because of uh, the relationship between uh, Sarah and Jareth is uh, kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. I found this good article on SlashFilm.com that's called "Is Jim Henson's Labyrinth an Allegory for Date Rape?" and I mean, this person kind of does make some good points. Like, you have the fact that, like, 
if you think about the labyrinth, like, I don't know if you noticed, but like, all the characters like Hoggle and um, Ludo and Jareth are all from like Sarah's bedroom. Like there are dolls that look like them or there's oh, like, really? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's like a doll of Ludo on her nightstand. There's like a little figurine of Jareth there, like the dress that she wears. That's the dress that her little like spinning music box girl okay. wears. So it's like most of the characters that exist within the labyrinth also exist within her subconscious. <laughs> And so if that's true, then what significance does it have that David Bowie, this, like, old man with a giant penis, like, exists? Sorry, not giant. It's just <laughs> evident. Okay, this, like, middle-aged man with a very evident penis exists <laughs> within her subconscious. And, like, more to the fact, like, he exists as somebody who steals a child and, mm-hmm. like, insists on like turning that child into something evil Mm -hmm. you know like that is sort of like what does that mean you know like who is he representing from her real life and this uh person makes the case that like it's her rapist that he's representing and it's like "Mm." i mean it could be i mean she's always reading that goblin king book it could just be the goblin king you know that's true that's true. That's how I would like, prefer to see it. Everything but... in the fantasy is based off that fucking book. Right. <laughs> One, burn it. <laughs> right. But then there are, <laughs> the there are like inherently like creepy, rapey things about their relationship and like just the plot. Yeah, I'm like, not saying it's a good book. I'm just saying. But like how Hoggle gives her the poison peach and mm-hmm. she, it's like essentially like a roofie mm-hmm. where she like passes out and then loses her memory, you know? And like while she's roofied, like David Bowie, like dances with her and i mean nothing happens Mm -hmm. explicitly but like there's definitely i mean did you have any sort of sense of like a sexual tension in that scene or uh i think i think that's the scene was filmed in such a way that i think that's what they were trying to get Uh uh-huh uh, but I was just super bored by it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just wasn't. I, just, I was like, I mean, I get. I, all right. This. All right. Yeah. I see what they're doing. Because she's like this young girl. Yeah. She's like, going to a ball. She's going to a ball where there are in masks. Yeah. And she's wearing this like big poofy white dress. Very we all eyes know wide what, shut. We all know what that represents. You know. Her virginity. Uh, exactly. Her innocence. Her, her unbusted hymen. <laughs> um. <laughs> and then when she dances with David Bowie, it turns red. Yeah, it starts to bleed. Um, <laughs> and then it becomes a used tampon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's like, she's like walking around this ball, like looking confused, kind yeah. of like... Because everyone's like, wearing masks. Why do yeah. you do that? I can't see my date. <laughs> and, and David Bowie's kind of like lurking and following her around, and like hiding behind different disguises. Mm-hmm. So like that seems kind of predatory. Um, and then at the end, I wrote down what he says, like when the final confrontation that they have, he says... Fear me, love me, do as I say, and I will be your slave. Like, that is the recipe for abuse. Like, that is, like, the definition of abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. Somebody who you're afraid of, but you also love, and, like, you just do what they say. And, like, if you just follow these rules that I'm setting for you, then I will make your life happy. And if you don't follow these rules that I'm setting for you, I will punish you. Mm, It sounds like society to me. No, that sounds like... Sounds like like a reasonable society to me. No, that sounds like an abusive relationship. Sounds like a social contract. That's what it sounds like. No, it sounds like an abusive relationship is what that sounds like. Hey, taxation uh, is theft. <laughs> shut up. Um, I have a lot of I have a lot of li- uh, uh, libertarian friends, and they keep they keep doing Facebook about it. Oh, jeez. 
Yeah. Jamie, are you shaking because you have to fart so bad? <laughs> no, okay. I'm shaking because of my uh, righteous feminist rage. Okay, well. <laughs> and that makes me gassy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a way, like the first thing that came to my head was like I'm not angry because I have to fart I have to fart because I'm angry yeah pretty much <laughs> pretty much I've got so much rage it's coming out of my ass um, but oh I always thought it was self esteem that's what comes out of my butt <laughs> uh, no my self esteem comes out of my boobs no my self esteem oh. comes out of my eyes when I cry oh <laughs> But anyway, so, like, that's, like, just, that's the main part of the rape culture that's in this film. The fact that this girl is being, like, tormented and manipulated by this, like, older man who has this, like, power over her. Which is, and there's, like, a weird age disparity there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on. Because clearly Steve has nothing to contribute to this I've, part of the conversation. I mean, I mean th- hey, <laughs> hey, make this scenes more interesting to a guy who is an adult. Yeah, clearly, because there's nothing out there that's for you. Nothing is made for adult men ever. You must be so deprived of culture. I don't know why I'm going to yell at. It's the movie's fault. Um, this mo- all right, I, I am willing to admit that this movie, I'm not the audience for this movie. Uh-huh. However, I'm allowed to think things are boring. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think one scene that I really did appreciate was the scene with the junk lady. Like, after she breaks the illusion of the mm-hmm. ball and she yeah. falls into the garbage heap. Yeah. The, like, junk lady who's carrying all this stuff on her back. You mm-hmm. know, like, that's metaphorical in and of itself. And then she, like, brings her into Sarah's bedroom and is, like, showing her, like, here, your mm-hmm. teddy bear. And it starts, here. like, it starts to, to cling onto her. Yeah, yeah, it starts, like, Like, she's going to turn into the next junk lady. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, cool. like, she has this moment of, like, I need to let this go. Yeah. You know, this is going to weigh me down and I need to let this go. Mm-hmm. And and I found that scene to be really emotionally resonant, at least for me. Like, I am definitely, like, I have to periodically purge my possessions because, mm-hmm. like, if I let it go unchecked, I can very quickly become quite a little pack rat. So, yeah. like, I have to sort of consciously divorce my, like, emotional attachment from objects, mm. you know? I don't, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I, there are very few things that I have an emotional attachment to. Really? Um, I'm just too lazy. Oh, see, I get, like, emotional attachments to, like, cork bottles, like, and, like, ticket stubs and, like, you know, this Mm. pair of of socks that I wore to this thing and, like, whatever. So, like, I think that is, like, an important lesson to learn that it's, like, you don't need the thing in order to still, like, have the memory and Mm -hmm. have the, like, emotional connection to that moment. Yeah. You know, which I think is, like, part of what this movie is saying about growing up, that it's, like, Mm. it's not about retaining your like physical artifacts of childhood it's about retaining the like memories and emotional memories that you have of being a child and like taking that with you into adulthood instead of taking your like teddy bears and your books and your Mm -hmm. like music boxes and like that kind of stuff i mean i think i think i think uh, i appreciate whenever i go home and there are books that i would read when i was a kid oh yeah with that mom read to me and stuff like i bought we lost a copy of it the copy that we had, and this is a book that I made my mom read me basically every night. Yeah. <laughs> she hated it. It was called Peter Pan. Big uh-huh. and little say but different. Uh, and uh, and so I, uh, I don't know what happened. I guess we lost the copy that we had. Um, and so as an adult in the Marines, uh-huh. I or no, I guess I was just out. Um, I was like, I was, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, what was that book called? And I was like, oh, yeah. 
And this is so so I so I found it online and I bought it. <laughs> and now I have it. I mean, it definitely, I think, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, that book, like the life-changing magic of cleaning up or tidying mm-hmm. up or whatever, or it's like... Is that in the art of mo- motorcycle maintenance? No. Oh. It's like, it's this whole like Marie Kondo book that like told people like, if something, if an item doesn't spark joy, get rid of it. And mm-hmm. like, everybody like took that book too far and like got rid of all their stuff. And then yeah. it was like, I don't have anything. And like, now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> These things yeah, are My really... kitchen table didn't really bring me joy, but it was nice to have. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> You know, I hate my so, apartment, like, but I need somewhere to live. So, like, on the one hand, I think it is nice to like keep li- like a few things, but mm-hmm. I think what this movie is trying to say is like figure out what's actually important. Yeah. You know, like figure out what's actually important to you. And I like think- for Sarah, that's like maybe not so much your like teddy bear. It's more about like the relationship you have with your family. You know, yeah. like your new brother. <sighs> Sorry, that's okay. Uh, I think what this movie is trying to say is we shouldn't take so many cell phone pictures. Oh, jeez. Because they're annoying and they never look good. <laughs> Maybe you just don't take good photos. Maybe you just don't photograph well, Steve. I'm adorable. You get me? Look at... Hey, hey, Jamie, look at this. <laughs> uh, delightful. Yeah. Um, really, this is just a message to Liz. Liz, if you're out there, I'm tired of taking pictures. <laughs> um, they're, they also have, like, a few things that, like, get repeated in this movie. Like, life isn't fair. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't take things for granted. Uh, things aren't always what they seem. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like, every time she has an interaction within the labyrinth that is sort of, like, a play on one of those themes, you know, which is sort of like a play on what it is to be an adult. <laughs> you know, you have this idea of what adulthood is going to be like, and then you actually get there, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, this is not at all seems like it'd be awesome it's not it's not yeah um like the old man how like the old wise man who like gives her the like terrible meaningless advice you know it's like <laughs> they may seem old and wise but really they're just talking shit you know like <laughs> they got it's, a bird it's on their heads bullshit spanish yeah <laughs> yeah right random right <laughs> spanish we'll take it uh we like diversity Does everyone that speaks spanish is actually speaking a random gibberish language oh no they are not Hey man. Steven. Hey man, I had three years of Spanish and I don't speak anymore because I passed. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure all of the Spanish speaking world is grateful not to have to talk to you. Um, but... hey, they can speak English too, Jamie. <laughs> oh my God. Everyone can speak English. Enough. They just sometimes don't want to. Enough. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> oh, is this is that too much xenophobia. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> refugees welcome. Um, but anyways, um, there's also, like, obviously, like, this movie is cult. Like, we've been talking about, like, the movie elements that make it cult, but, like, yeah. a practical, like, audience element that makes it cult. It was discovered. Like, a lot of movies, most cult movies have that mm-hmm. discovery phase where it gets missed. And then it was discovered because it was the 80s on home video. Um, and it actually got shown on the Disney Channel as, like, a movie that they would show on Disney. Oh, really? Yeah, or wow. starting in the 90s. So people would either – it was kind of like um, – Hocus Pocus, where people would like, like, be like, "Oh, what's happening on Disney? Labyrinth? What's this?" You know, and like, they would back sort when of, you check the the TV guide, yeah, exactly. Go to the TV guide channel. Did you have? So, all right, so there are three things, three ways to check what was on the TV. You could either uh, look at the, well, I guess four ways. So there was the TV guide, like TV guide, TV guide, uh huh, and then there was TV guide channel, yeah, and then there was the newspaper. Uh-huh. And then there was the TV guide from the newspaper. Yeah. Which did your family use? Um, my stepmother used the TV guide from the newspaper. Okay. We used the TV guide channel. Okay. So, like, we would go. And it was, like, the most annoying thing. Because if you missed it, then you had to wait for it to scroll back around. 
<laughs> so annoying. Yeah, we had the TV guy from the newspaper. Yeah. And then every once in a while we use the, the newspaper itself. But uh, Yeah. Did you ever have to call the time? the time lady? I'm sorry? Did you ever have to call the time lady? No. Like you never had like your power outage in your house and like you were like, I have no idea what time it is now because the clock has all been off. So uh, we don't have like satellite. Well, then you wouldn't have clocks. a phone either. Well, if the power came back on and you needed to like reset your clocks, oh. you'd call the time lady. Nobody had to watch? I guess not. <laughs> Jamie, I where are you living? In a cabin in the woods, literally. Um, With no watches. <laughs> nope. Um, but anyway, um, so there's like the discovery phase of like finding the audiences the finding lady. this movie. <laughs> she was a thing. Google it. Um, <laughs> All she did... It was her and it was her in a room with a table and just like just like a big LED red a red LED light. Yep, she just sat LED there clock. waiting for people to call her. Ring for her phone to ring. How fucking depressing <laughs> can we make this scene? <laughs> um, and she's like, "Life is what you make it. Not everything is as it seems. It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> Don't tell me the truth hurts, little girl. Yeah, that's actually it Sarah. Like hell. Um, but anyways, um, there is actually. In terms of, like, fan commitment and, like, fan active celebration, which are some cold qualifiers for you. Yeah. There's uh, the annual Labyrinth of Jareth Ball that takes place every year in Los Angeles and has been happening for the past 20 years. Um, There are also conventions like Dragon Con in Atlanta, which are like puppeteering conventions. So there's usually like a labyrinth booth because of like all the puppets that like occur in this movie were kind of like impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are like actual like gatherings of fans that happen specifically to like celebrate this movie and like try to like Dark crystal i have no idea this okay. was actually jim henson's last movie while he was alive yeah. just like another little fun fact yeah. um so you know what the next one was what uh my christmas carol and he died he died before it Okay. Yeah, not as a result of. <laughs> yeah, as a result of Kelsey Grammer's acting, just put him over Kelsey the Grammer wasn't in, wasn't in. He wasn't? No. Wasn't he screwed? No, Michael Caine was. Oh. Kelsey Grammer might have I think Kelsey reprised Grammer... the role for TV, maybe, for the TV movie. I think he was in A Christmas Carol when he was in the Muppet one. I was a more of a Muppet Treasure Island girl myself because that had my other that love, was, Tim Curry, mm-hmm. as Long John Silver. Also dressed to the right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you have we'll see. no idea. Um, I, 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 the only thing I remember about Muppet Treasure Island was I was watching the behind the scenes, and Tim Curry was being lifted on the on the swing. Uh huh. Um, and they were like just filming it happening, and then they brought him down. He 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 was he had been, he was like sitting on his leg, and then he was like ah, <laughs> <laughs> like, right, because he had a peg leg. <laughs> no, he didn't have any leg. There was no peg or anything. It was just, he had one leg and the crutch. Uh, and then he's li- he's being lifted on this sw- on this like wooden this wooden uh, board. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then they're like cut or whatever. They brought him down. And he like st- and he's like brought his leg. I was like ah. And they like sit up. And I was like ah. It's a heroin. He's got tale. a leg. <laughs> he's the master of disguise, Tim Curry. <laughs> he's the master of sitting on his leg. He's the master of transformation. He's a true chameleon. Um, <laughs> was there- which. Just like chameleons, he can only change his appearance when he changes his mood. Yep. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> Happy. <laughs> Are you trying, you, is that the best Tim Curry that you got? Um, I can probably do a better one. Hold on. Happy. I, oh, now I feel pressured, but I'm going to do my best. Um, Tim Curry is a tough one. He is tough. 
I'm trying to think of like, because you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the laugh is so hard. <laughs> That's you gotta do it exclusively through your nose. Well, let's. Oh, shoot, because it's like you have to think of like you know whenever you do an accent, you have to have like your like click in word, you know, like yeah. the word that you say to like get you to click into it. What's like my Tim Curry click in phrase? Err. <laughs> well, it's just well, it's just that same. Err. <laughs> it's it's him. It's him yeah. having his mouth closed off by peanut butter. Um. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of a Rocky Horror line. Yes, well, Janet, uh, you see. <laughs> you gotta do Planet. more nose, more na- more nosily. Planet, schmanet, Janet. That's And I see you shiver with anticipation. Now we're just doing old lady. Uh, well, that's what he was doing in that movie. He was intimidating, he was uh, impersonating his mother. Um, but <laughs> can you do a Bowie impression? Don't look now, Sarah. You're going to fail. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it, Bowie. It's too. It's too breathy. It is very breathy. Yeah. And it is up here in your soft palate. <laughs> it is. It is nasally in a way, Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I mean, it's. I love basically every Henson movie, not because the movie is great, because uh-huh. I think I think several of them suffer. However, I just like the, all the puppets are great. All the puppets are. I know they're super impressive. They're, it's like I really wanted to love this movie way more than I did. Mm-hmm. Like I went yeah. into it with so much goodwill because I love Jim Henson. I yeah. love Muppets. I love Bowie. Yeah. You know, so I was like, that's three loves. I know, and like. <laughs> And I didn't really love this movie. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, I like I was because I every once in a while, uh, not every once in a while, most of the time when I watch a movie, I'm very suggestible. Uh huh. So when I watch a movie that has like a like a particular, when I watch a movie that has a particular um, like feeling or emotion throughout the throughout the movie. Like, uh, like I, I watched Across the Universe. It was kind of a trippy movie. Yeah. And the rest of the day, I was like, I was just in this really trippy, Zone. fucking weird space. Yeah. Um, and so normally, a movie doesn't have to be that good to put me in whatever the fuck it wants to put me in. And this movie just didn't really do anything for me. I was just like, well, okay, well. <sighs> yeah. I was I kind of meh. I think if I had seen it as a child, I think if I had seen it as a 12-year-old, I would have loved it. And I think this movie, like, something we didn't talk about in terms of a cult qualifier is nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think nostalgia definitely plays into loving this movie. Because if you'd seen it as a child, then, like, as an adult, I'm sure you would have that added factor yeah. of, like, this was, like, a big part of my childhood. Yeah. You know? And then you have, like, the way the – one of the ways, like, the cult progresses is parents passing down the movie to their kids and mm-hmm. watching it with their children. And so then that reinforces the, like, next generation's nostalgia for it, you know? Yeah. And it also has the nostalgia of, like, being pre – CGI. I mean, there is that owl in the opening credit sequence. That was like the first attempt at CGIing uh, mm-hmm. actual, like, um, uh, like true to life looking animal. Mm-hmm. And this movie actually came out the same year as the Pixar short with the desk lamp. You know, the one that was like mm-hmm. their like first like yeah. big achievement that like gave them the desk lamp as their logo. So. I mean, that's pretty significant in terms of, like, where effects would go after this movie. And, like, one 
piece that I read about it on the internet was kind of like saying this was kind of this movie was in a sense a death rattle for like practical effects because like after this it just like so quickly became about like yeah, what you could what, do this in was 84 86 I think same okay. year as uh, Big Trouble yeah Top Gun and Top Gun and Aliens and Short Circuit and Ferris Bueller's what? Day what guys yeah. so it is sort of like the swan song almost to like practical effects in the sense like when was the last time they made a movie like this with like this many puppets and like this many when was Dark Crystal Dark Crystal was, was before the... oh really yeah oh yeah, that's right um I mean I can't think of any movie that compares to this in terms of like the amount of detail and puppetry. I, don't know, that I think went into I think this. I mean I think I think Muppet Christmas Carol had a but had those were mostly practical effects as well. I guess so. You had the sparklies like, that were that were digital, but it wasn't like the same kind of world building as this was because that still know. took place in London. Dickensian, you know, it did in London. <laughs> it's Does that even world. ever exist? No, it's all just a myth that yeah. the English people have created. Um, but like you know, like not only <laughs> I mean, was like half like ninety percent of the cast in this were puppets, but like also like every set was like a constructed set. You know, it wasn't yeah. like an on location thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're probably right. I think so. You're right, you're right, you're right. I'm going to take that sound bite and I'm going to save it and I'm going to use it for every time you disagree with me in the future. Yeah, you're right, <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> um, they're talking about doing a sequel to Labyrinth, actually. Didn't they? Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. It, again, yeah, a little girl going through like some weird uh, maze where she overcomes Assaulted obstacles. Assaulted by David Bowie's penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with the eyes on its hands, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, they're talking about there's the talk of them doing a sequel has been in the works, and I think it still isn't totally official because Rolling Stone was citing it as being written and directed by the people who did Guardians of the Galaxy, and then like another website where recently was saying it was with like a totally different group of creative people behind mm-hmm. it. So like, I'm not totally convinced that they actually are in the like process of making this thing, I feel like it's probably still being discussed, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't go see it. (laughs) I mean, if it was indeed written, if it was, if it was made by the creative team behind Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I'll see anything that they put out. Really? Yeah. That's how much I liked it. That's how much I think they could handle a musical movie. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if like, if it was still a young girl at the center, I don't know if I would trust them to like have her story be satisfying. Um, but I I would be worried. What are you trying to say? You're trying to say it's not fair. Uh, I'm trying to say that like men aren't always the best at writing what it's about, what it's like to be a young Um, woman. I'm going to disagree with your entire premise there. It's all right. You're just hysterical. It'll be uh, <laughs> don't play into it, Jamie. Don't play. Don't let me. This win. is my tent. I get to do whatever I want. This is my world that I've created. <laughs> oh. I mean, you bought it. I created it. I let you in. I kick you out. Um, okay, but do you think we're ready to rate it? Yes. Okay, let's rate it. Let's rate it. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the most culty, 10 being the... No, reverse that. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most culty, 1 being the least, 10, an example, would be Rocky Horror Picture Show. What are we going to use as a 1 this week? Uh, Let's use uh, In Cold Blood. (laughs) Great movie, though. I read the book. And great book. 
I read the yeah. book. I haven't watched the movie. Um, that was my Christmas book a few years ago. It's <laughs> like, you know what I'm going to read this holiday season? I read that in the same streak of reading books that I read when I first moved here and I started going to the bookstore and reading a lot. So that was when I like that. I read that when I was reading like Moby Dick and Catcher in the Rye and stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, I want to read this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So In Cold Blood mm-hmm. is a one. But only sure. in the sense of it's not culty. It's an amazing movie. <laughs> Do you think it's not culty? I would say it's not culty. Okay, fine. And then Rocky Horror Show is. Intense. I mean, why would you? Why would you consider it culty? I don't know. I just like to think these things through. Fucking um, Bumble, get away from me! <laughs> no, <laughs> I piddled a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where would you rate this? Do you um, want to go first, or should I go first? No, I'll go. Okay, uh, I will give it. I probably give it a nine. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give it an eight. Oof. So why defend your nine? Well, it's got you got the meetups that are that have been happening for a long time. Uh, you got the, the movie. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't know. It seems like it seems like it's much more culty than a lot of movies that we've done. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is pretty cool to you, right? I like that it has the, like, real in-person, like, celebration. A lot of ones mm-hmm. we talked about don't really have that. Yeah. Um, also, f- practical effects, I give it. That's going to bump it up the scale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's give it an eight and a half overall, then. No, let's give it a nine. No, let's give it an eight and a half. Okay. Um, so if you like our show, which we... I don't even know why you ask me anymore. If you're just going to give it your own arbitrary rating. No, because I was splitting it between an eight and a nine. Fractions don't exist, Jamie. Is it? <laughs> Fractions don't exist. I just do. Whoa. <laughs> Luckily, I'm very congested, so I'm just going to finish this. Um, so, um, if you like our show, which we know you do, you can follow us on Instagram at Cult Movie Carnivores. You can follow us on Twitter at Cult Movie Cast, capital C M C. You can also email us at Cult Movie Carnivores at gmail.com if you have suggestions for movies that we should do. We'd love to get those. Um, you can also visit our website, cultmoviecarnivores.com. If you want to follow Steve, you can follow yeah. him on Twitter at One More Wilson, all spelled out. All spelled out. He also has two improv groups on Facebook, Selic and Board of Directors. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to plug something. What are you going to plug? I got a show this weekend. Oh, yay. Well, this won't be out when that's happening. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I have a show to plug. Okay. If you're in the New York area. In the past. In the past. You can go. <laughs> well, no, no. Just you know you it. missed a good show. <laughs> okay. Um, and please rate and review us. If you have anything negative to say, you can send it to Steve. Um, and we will see you next week. If you want to know what show we're, or what movie we're going to be talking about next week, you can follow us on our social media platforms. We'll give you a heads up there. And thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs>